Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have come in our journey onward from our foundation in Pascha to the Sunday of the Samaritan Woman, St. Fotini. What an amazing encounter by Jacob's well. St. Fotini, Fotini, the Enlightened One. St. Fotini is an unconventional woman leading an unconventional life. Or perhaps she is, in terms of the fallen world, a very conventional woman leading a conventionally fallen life. However, there is a great gulf between her there is a great yawning divide between her and the man who is sitting by Jacob's well. First of all, he is a man, she is a female, they are each alone and they do not speak to each other. It is not done, unless you are related. But they are speaking. He is a Jew. She is a Samaritan. And the Jews consider all Samaritans to be lost in the depth of schism and heresy. As she herself points out, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But here they are, dealing. He is the one, the son of the Virgin, who is himself purity, truth, he is God. And she is not merely human, but she is all too human, as they say. And he points out to her, with some degree of frightening specificity, what are some of the terms, some of the symptoms of her personal interior disarray. She is not uh, angered by being exposed. <laughs> she is not uh, indignant with him. There is no, how dare you? Instead, it is very clear that the subtext of the dialogue, which is so fascinating, think of all of the dialogues that exist in the New Testament, this is one of the most uh, interesting and one that has among the most depth of any of them. For in the context of this dialogue, he will reveal to her who he is. Now we know that throughout the New Testament, his messiahship is something of a secret. A great uh, Protestant a uh, student of the Bible in the last century wrote a book, The Messianic Secret. It was, uh, on the one hand, somewhat dangerous to tell, and on the other hand, it could put many people to confusion who would not be able to receive or understand the message. 
So how odd that of all the people that the Savior runs into, the one to whom he seems readily to betray his true identity is such a person, this Samaritan woman, who will become Saint Fotini. Sometimes you and I feel that we are so, so much in disarray ourselves, that we have jumped the track and landed so far away from it, that uh, we, in a sense, exempt ourselves from the whole relationship with God that uh, otherwise we know the saints have had, that others have had, and that perhaps we would like to have, or at least have thought that we would like to have. But certainly it is people like Saint Fotini who pull the carpet out from all of that kind of thinking. Clearly there is no one in any circumstance at all who cannot establish a relationship with the Savior almost instantaneously. We seem to have very much of the dialogue presented to us in this Gospel lection this morning. It is a rather long one. And look how short a time it takes for the Savior to notice this woman coming to draw water and uh, what a short time it takes for him to be talking to her at a level of such depth. So what is the subtext of her side of the dialogue? As I said, she's not angry, she's not indignant, she's not embarrassed and defensive. What he says releases certain things within herself, certain questions which are authentic, questions about the worship of God and God. Fotini does not leave her house this morning prepared to enter into such a theological discussion with anyone. Fotini, Fotini is a gal. And one of the ways that we know that she is a little bit eccentric from the community is that the process of getting water in a village is that all the women go in the morning together. As a matter of fact, it's like going to the post office today in a village. It's where you find out who's up to what. What's going on? And so they, they look forward to it. Now it's not a very easy task. I think you probably have seen, at least in photographs, what kind of water jugs they had. They were made of clay, they were very large, and they were extremely heavy. And that's when they were empty. I don't have to tell anyone here how much water weighs. So the task, the work itself, is laborious. But she comes alone. She doesn't come down with all the other girls and women, younger women, who are strong, to get her water. One suspects that there is a reason for that. One suspects that the women are looking at her that way. She is an unconventional gal. Christ releases in her questions which are burning questions 
And we see, not because she points to it, that she says, oh, this is what is happening, the way Luke and Clopas say, did not our hearts burn within us when he met us and spoke with us, revealed unto us the scripture by the way. She doesn't go through that. But you can see that her heart is burning within her. And so, if we would ask ourselves what it is that you and I need to bring to the table of an encounter with our Savior, whether it's evening prayer or morning prayer or prayer in the middle of the night or dealing with a tense and uh, edgy situation with someone in the family or on the job or anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. doesn't matter. We see that what is needed is the capacity to have one's heart set on fire by our Savior. And that is exactly what happens to her. Notice how she is converted almost instantaneously into becoming a missionary, surely one of the first missionaries for the Savior. She runs back to the village, whatever her relationships are with all the people there. She runs back to the village and she proclaims that she has met such a one who might just be the Messiah himself. Now, even though the Samaritans and the Jews are alienated from each other, both have a, the idea of, expe of expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And she says, might not this person who told me everything ever I did, might he not be the Messiah? And they come out. On the strength of the woman's word, of her missionary activity, of her sermon. And they come out and they have a look. And then they enter into their own relationship through her ministry. And they say in the end, it's not because of what you told us, it's because now we have our own self-verifying relationship with this man. And many believe in this village, this village of heretics and schismatics. St. Fotini, to whom we dedicate this whole week, and all the services every day will be, have references and hymns that are sung in her honor, will go on, and we know that she will be martyred. She will give her life's blood for the man she met, the Jew she met by Jacob's well whom she didn't think she would be able to say anything to. And here is Christ, sitting on a hot and dusty day, and he is thirsty. And he asks the woman to give him something to drink. And that is what inaugurates the conversation. He then tells her that if she knew who he is, she would be asking him, not for just water, that you have to go every day and then you have to get some more of it, but living water that you contain within yourself and that you don't need to keep going to a well and hauling heavy clay pots of water back to the house. That's the kind of person she wants to meet. She wants to know more. See how Christ engages her. See how he meets her where she is. But see how she herself responds. She is like a string on a violin responding to a bow. That is how it must be with us. When we come to pray, we must have certain expectations of this prayer. 
Now, I know that we say pray without expectations, which means don't present Christ with your grocery list of things that you want now. But we must have certain expectations of it. And among those expectations are things that we see today. She speaks to the Savior and he responds to her. He answers her. She has the right questions in many ways. Some of them are wrong and he tells her that. But in the end, he leads her by the hand, this unconventional woman who has come all by herself to get water all alone. He tells this unconventional woman magnificent and wondrous and amazing things. And like the water jug itself, she contains it. Nothing spills out. It turns out that it was not Christ alone who was thirsting that day. But she also was thirsting, though she didn't know it. So one of the first things that God may tell us when we come to Him is to reveal to us how thirsty we really are. And then He will tell us that to assuage our thirst we do not need a glass of water. We need Him. At that point, our expectation must be that we can trust Him and in Him can we believe. And so he became her water. And he wants to become your water and my water. And so the whole church gathers together around the world to remember St. Fotini, the Enlightened One, and to consider of what consists her enlightenment. Amen.